Hi everyone, I'm John C. Morley, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hey guys, how are you? It is John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur. It is great to be with you guys uh, tonight. Uh, it's amazing because uh, we have another uh, fantastic show that I can't wait to share with you guys. So uh, definitely want to share that with you guys here. Uh, so much to talk about uh, in regard to uh, the J. Moore Tech Talk show. Uh, so I am your host, John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur. It is great to be with you. And let's just get right into it, shall we? It is the third week in our brand new year of our brand new series. So ladies and gentlemen, this is Futuristic Tech Unveiled is the title for this show, J. Moore Tech Talk. It's series three, which means we're in um, third year and we're on show number three. And today is January 19th, uh, 2024. And welcome. So you know I have been talking a lot about CES. Oh, I've got a little more to share with you about CES. But uh, first, I want to talk about something interesting, which is uh, Microsoft's uh, exposes Russian uh, state-sponsored uh, hackers in this espionage, which is um, I- interesting uh, because, uh, you know, you-, you wouldn't expect this to happen, but it did. They were going after the executives at Microsoft. And uh, this was recently stated uh, just this afternoon that a Russian state-sponsored group hacked into its corporate system on January 12th and stole some emails and documents from staff accounts. Now, the Russian group was able to access a very small percentage, according to Microsoft, of corporate email accounts, including members of its senior leadership team and employees in its cybersecurity, legal, and other functions, the company had said. And Microsoft's threat research team uh, routinely investigates nation uh, state hackers such as Russia's Midnight Blizzard, who they say is responsible. The company said its probe into the breach indicated the hackers were initially targeting Microsoft to learn what the technology giant knew about their operations. The company said the hackers used a password spray attack starting in November 2023 to breach a Microsoft platform. Hackers use this technique to infiltrate a company system by using the same compromised password against multiple related accounts which is why you do not want to use the same password on multiple accounts. The Russian embassy in Washington and Ministry of Foreign Affairs did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Microsoft said it investigated the incident and disrupted the malicious activity, blocking the group's access to its system. E. Quote, unquote, this attack does highlight the continued risk posed to all organizations from well-resourced nation-state threat actors like Midnight Blizzard. Close quote. And the company said nothing that the attack was not the result of a specific vulnerability in its products or services. Of course, they wouldn't say that. Um, They also said, quote, to date, there is no evidence that 
the threat actor had any access to customer environments, production systems, source code, or AI systems, close quote, a company hit blog had read. But again, they're just saying this. It's not really proven. So Midnight Blizzard is also known as APT29, Nobilium, or Cozy Bear by cybersecurity researchers and linked to Russia's SVR spy agency, according to the U.S. officials. And the group is best known for its intrusions of Democratic National Committee surrounding the 2016 U.S. election. Uh, the Microsoft products are widely used across the U.S. government, and the company faced criticism last year for security practice after Chinese hackers stole emails belonging to senior U.S. State Department officials. Whoa. So um, that's very interesting that that just sort of uh, happened. So let's get into some other things. So first thing I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is no more cookies. So if you like cookies, uh, there's going to be no more cookies. Uh, chocolate chip, peanut butter. Um, spritz, um, oatmeal, um, peanut butter blossom, or some other ones. Well, not really cookies like the ones you eat, guys. I'm talking about cookies um, that are actually used by websites. Websites to learn about your specific shopping behavior. Yeah, that that's what they're um, all about. And I feel that uh, it's it's crazy how this is happening. And um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I can tell you that uh, they are concerned because of security reasons. That That's the reason why uh, they are very, very um, concerned. And so, you know, it's interesting to know what's happening and, you know, and what's going on. But the question is, um, you know, what is really going on? And so, well, for a while... Um, they discovered that uh, many of the advertisers are actually finding ways to exploit the cookies. And so they tried to fix this, but that wasn't going anywhere. So they decided to get rid of the cookies because it was actually compromising people's own personal privacy as well as their security. So thus, ladies and gentlemen, there are going to be no more cookies of any type or of any flavor. And I do want to say thank you to you guys because we have over 13,400 downloads and we are continuing to grow. So it is great to see that, ladies and gentlemen. I am so happy um, that we are at that amazing, amazing point. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that it's very interesting because, um, you know, we're growing. And I do want you to go to BelieveMeAchieve.com, scan that QR code because I want to get us up to a few thousand on TikTok. So we can start streaming this live uh, on TikTok. You guys know that within 24 hours of the show that we convert it to a podcast and it's available on all your favorite platforms like uh, Apple, Spotify, et cetera, and many, many more. So again, bid farewell to cookies. Um, the question you might be asking me is, so when, when will uh, website cookies uh, be done? Well, um, so Google commits to third-party cookies depreciation in 2024, uh, saying goodbye to third-party cookies. Uh, and everything you need to know is that cookies are a problem. And this is where they find out about uh, lots of things, including internet tracking. And we all know that Google is very responsible for taking the information. So they don't want cookies to go away. But cookies are bad because uh, cookies actually – send information out about you, your preferences to all kinds of uh, different people on the net. 
Um, and they say Google is finally killing cookies. Advertisers aren't ready for this. So the search giant plans to remove a technology seen as critical to the digital ad industry. Um, so we'll see what happens. So uh, Google's going to start moving it, and pretty soon everyone uh, will remove it. But the big question is, so uh, when uh, will all websites uh, stop using cookies? Is, is, is there a date? So uh, Google's starting it. Um, and so I think we probably got a little while before it totally ends. But as Google starts to remove it, uh, you know, there is no um, like specified date, if you will, for this. Um, but the big problem is, uh, you know, these cookies are being used without people's permission. And, and it's a serious problem. And so this thing's called the cookie rule. Yeah, you heard me right. The cookie rule. Who's responsible for compliance of the cookies? How do we decide what to do with the cookies? How long are we holding the cookies for? And this really just has to do with your um, buying history, your searching history, where you're going. And it learns about your specific behavior. So that's what we mean by cookies. We're not talking about the cookies you're going to have for the holidays. We're not talking about the cookies you're going to have for your birthday or for dinner. Or I should say dessert. We're talking about the cookies that are used on the web every single day, and they've been used for years. And so more things are happening. So the question is, uh, when will Yahoo uh, get rid of cookies? So um, Google's getting rid of cookies. And um, a lot of other companies don't really uh, care, but a lot of the advertisers do care. Um, when you delete your cookies, um, basically – they have um, no trackbacks on you. And so uh, that's a big problem. So, um, you know, you can delete your cookies very easily. But the big problem is, is what's going to replace it? Well, they'll have new AI technology, I'm sure, that's going to come out. Um, so they, they uh, actually, uh, they disabled cookies for 30 million Chrome users. Whoa. <laughs> Um, you know, will, will there be, uh, let's say a final date when cookies are no longer allowed? Um, I don't think they've set this yet. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to get rid of them, obviously. Uh, they're saying that, uh, you know, they had been working on this for a while, but the big problem is Google said that it would end support for cookies and Chrome by early 2022, which they obviously did. Um, one person said, can I eat expired cookies? Well, <laughs> not those kind of cookies. These are cookies that are um, healthy in the sense that there is no calories in them. Um, so nothing to do like that. But cookies uh, can stay on your computer from seven days. They could be 14 days. They could be 30 days, 90 days, or even longer, depending on what the cookie policy states. So um, I'm happy to see the cookies are going away. Um, one of my favorite things is to use uh, DuckDuckGo. Uh, DuckDuckGo runs on ads, but DuckDuckGo never learns about your search history uh, and shares it with anybody. So I think that's a big issue. And I was so happy to see that DuckDuckGo is now uh, being able to afford putting uh, things on TV. I was really happy to see that. And I think a lot of people are also very happy, happy to see that because um, Google's like the be-all, end-all. But to be honest with you, um, Google really um, – they're like a monster when it comes to data. They sell data everywhere. I don't know if you guys know this. 
Google sells your data everywhere. So they say, uh, Google says it doesn't sell your data, um, but Google is selling your data. Uh, personal data spite promises, federal court lawsuit claims, uh, an advertiser using the data put targeted ads in front of people who will most be receptive to what's going on. Uh, also siphoning off and storing the, the, the bid stream data of Google users, uh, the suit had alleged. So Google is uh, apparently making a fortune by selling users personal information, despite the company's pledge that it never sells the data. Uh, the lawsuit was filed back in May 7, 2021. And I think, you know, uh, the biggest problem I have with Google is that Google, I don't know, they, the way they operate and the way they hire these people overseas, um, I don't know, it's just like, they, they, they're just like this engine. And I don't know if Facebook is any better, but they just, they're like this engine and they don't really do anything. And the big problem I have with it is that um, people don't get the fact that they are stealing your data. Um, Google says they don't sell your data, but I don't really believe them. Um, and neither do many other people, including the different lawyers and whatnot. That's why they filed lawsuits. So, um, you know, Google selling users personal data despite promises is, is a big, big problem. So the question you might be asking is, so... What what data uh, did Google sell? Well, um, they're selling like your search history, your preferences. Um, um, they were selling location tracking um, and lots of things. Um, so I think what happened is Google just you know, they got a little too big for the britches. I mean, they they started with data and then they started to monopolize and capitalize the data. You know who else is going to be very, very big on this? Tesla's doing this. You know, Tesla, as I said to you, is not a car company. They're a data company. So they are selling your data, even though it's supposedly anonymous, they're selling your data everywhere to people that are producing autonomous cars, including their own companies producing autonomous cars. So I don't know. That, that's, that's an interesting thing. So, ladies and gentlemen, speaking about food, um, not really, but <laughs> uh, imagine a travel-friendly dinner cooking bag. This is pretty amazing. Uh, they announced at CSES it was the uh, travel um, cooking – they really call it like a cooking, um, cooking oven bag, I guess is the best way to um, – and they call it a wearable oven. And so how this works uh, is uh, it's it's like a it's like um you know like like a like a uh, um, a backpack but it can be a bag as well and uh, it's interesting because one of the people to prove the point actually wound up uh, getting burned because he didn't think that it was actually that hot but it was only to prove a point and it was the Wiltex um, new Will Cook. Um, which is the world's first wearable oven. And uh, you read that right. The Will Cook, from what I'm saying, is a backpack that can cook food inside of it. Now, why the heck would you want to do this? Well, obvious reasons. Maybe you're a hiker, you're a camper, and maybe you just want to get dinner going so you have a few extra minutes when you get home. Uh, the commute maybe tires you out, etc. So maybe it's a reason, maybe it's not. Um, but this is the interesting part. 
is Wiltex uh, turned this black backpack into a portable toaster oven. Uh, most backpacks are, have multiple compartments um, on them, and the Will Cook is no different, but only two that matter, the cooking compartment and the battery compartment. So in the battery pocket, it's uh, only a 5-volt rechargeable battery pack, uh, the kind you might find on uh, line for like 20 bucks. And a um, set of uh, that basically has a, a cable snakes out to this to a round connector um, with the word Hotopia on it, which is attached to the inside of the oven compartment. And the compartment has a silver mesh fabric on one side, and it's where Wiltec's uh, main innovation resides. So uh, you'll probably see um, the Japanese brand is the first and foremost a textile company. It developed a thin mesh fabric um, and describes it as an embedded heat ray. And the company claims the compartment can get hot enough to slow cook food while you're on the move or doing other things. It can cook meat, fish, curry, and many other things. But the uh, the company already sells a smaller version of the Will Cook in Japan. But now this is the bag. So this is very, very interesting. And, um, you know, many people are skeptical about the fact of this. So, uh, you know, you can obviously try it out. And you might be saying, gee, how much, this is the big question, how much is the Will Cook uh, backpack? How much do you think that that that, that, that actually is? Well, um, this would be great for like pizza restaurants, right? When they want to keep things warm. Um, the Will the Will the Will Cook uh, backpack oven. Um, if I had to guess, I haven't seen the price on it yet. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 the Will Cook uh, wear, wearable oven. That's what it's called, the Will Cook wearable oven. And um, they're expecting to bring this to market probably by September, and they're saying. This is what they're saying. This is just speculation. It'll be about 200 bucks. And it's a wearable oven. It's very intriguing. But is it really practical? That's the question. A wearable oven. I mean, do you ever think you'd be wearing an oven? I mean, are we that busy that we don't have time to actually put stuff in an oven? Um, it's a backpack. And they say it's going to revolutionize the way we repair our meals. So... I don't know. This this is this is intriguing to me. Um, are more people going to jump on this 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 uh, bandwagon? Again, the first wearable oven. I don't know. Um, my feeling is that this could be a fad. I also don't know how well this is going to work. Is there going to be um, you know a warranty on it or or not? And, you know, everything like this, everybody likes fads, right? But then the question is, is it really practical? Is it going to work? And they claim that it really cooks. Now, I haven't had the chance to actually get one of these yet. But, you know, wearable tech is not something new. And uh, like I said, they're already selling a small little bag in uh, Japan uh, that actually uh, cooks uh, similar to this, but it's just a little bag, but this is actually a whole backpack. So I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is an interesting concept, but I don't know.
might have lost our stream there for a second. I think streamer was having a little issue. Sorry about that, guys. So my question is, do you really think this is going to go somewhere or do you think it's just going to be like a fad? Um, you know, I'm not really sure, but I just feel that um, it's something that we're going to have to wait and see. 200 bucks is not a lot of money. And uh, my question is, you know, how hot does it get? Yeah. So how 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 hot does um you know the first wearable oven get and let me see if they give us any specs on it um if they have a picture of the specs i'm just looking to see if they have the specs on it um they don't really tell me anything about the temperature of it um uh, it says it gets very hot um it's not watertight so it can limit its usage in certain conditions um, it's saying that, uh, it, uh, oven safe Ziploc bag, and you can let it slow cook, uh, in the backpack cooking compartment, which can accommodate about, uh, two liters. So if we convert that, so two liters, uh, to, uh, gallons, uh, it's not even a gallon. It's like 0.5283441. That's what it equates to so the wilcock um wilcock uh, bag is a uh, definitely a step forward in wearable technology and it may not be practical for everyone uh i have to be honest with you i can't see myself wearing one of these even as running or going around i think it's something nice to have but i personally don't think that i would actually use it i mean i would use it to show you guys but I don't know. It's just not something that's going to like really appeal to me. I think it's going to be a fad, but who knows? I mean, the people in Japan bought it, but again, I don't know what's going to happen in the U S my suspicion is people are going to buy it and it's going to be the latest, greatest gift for, you know, CEOs and whatnot. And then it's either going to break or I don't know, they're going to use it outside in the rain and it's going to short out. It might catch on fire. I don't know. I'm just, I just don't think the idea was very well thought through. But we'll, we'll, we'll find out, all right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, how about mind-reading headsets? Does this blow your mind? That's right. I said mind-reading. Uh, they're basically uh, ear, ear, like ear, a uh, headphone uh, headsets. And so the way this works is um, it can read your brain waves. This is pretty amazing. Uh, a lot of people are skeptical about it, and they're a little freaked out. <laughs> and so, um, Neurable, N-E-U-R-A-B-L-E, has partnered with uh, Audiophile, uh, one of the brand master and dynamics to release the NW65 Neuro. How much is this going to be? Well, when it comes to market, they're saying it'll be just under 700 bucks at about $649. And that might be a little higher than <laughs> the AirPods Max. But uh, it's going to do a lot more than the AirPods Max. Um, so the prototype of the headphones using the Neurable's brain-computer interface, uh, BCI, brain-computer interface, leverages neural sensors to measure brain waves. And reading a series of numbers popping up on a laptop screen, you can easily uh, focus to start uh, a spike. And the same thing can happen, um, you know, when you read an article on an iPhone or et cetera, you can cause different uh, occurrences, right? And it might be nice um, to have this. And you might think that, uh, you know, 
when you need to take breaks. But studies show that by the time your body tells you you should stop working for a bit, you're likely already making more errors and have lost focus. So that's pretty cool. It's like a way to know. Almost like you're going to have that in the cars thing, too. Like when you're getting tired of driving, it's going to recommend that you take a break. Um, one of the quotes they made, and I have to share this with you. Imagine how much smarter and responsive Siri and Google Assistant could be if they could nearly read your thoughts. That's a little scary. Um, you know, and, and again, when we say thoughts, we're talking about the impulses, not really true thought. So it could make it easier and um, give it the ability to listen quicker. Um, you know, it's it's just a simple headset that you put on. And so it, it's interesting. But my question is, is it going to have an application? And I think it is because you're going to be able to think about something and that's going to affect certain parts of your brain, um, sending more electrical activity stimulation and thus causing that to maybe move um, uh, a jet left or jet right. So what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to calibrate it. So when you're thinking about moving left, you know, you maybe have to calibrate that it's moving left. We're right. I'm not sure how they're going to do that, but it's definitely interesting. Um, of course, the price that will come way down on it. I feel right now that that's just in its infancy, but we're going to have to see what happens. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know a lot of you shop in stores, right? Um, maybe it's large department stores or maybe it's just small mom and pop stores. But what would you think if you, you know, went into your, um, I don't know, you went into like your Macy's or uh, any of your big department stores and you found out that they were using their video that's used to prevent theft for more than that. What if they were using it to profile and get detailed demographic information on the people that were shopping in the store? Now it goes a little bit further. Not only could they do that, but now they could become omni-channel present. So you could be online, you could be in the store, and it would know how to market to you with different uh, screens and whatnot, whether you're online or within the store, because it knows who you are. It knows your face. I think that's getting a little bit wacky and I don't want to say scary, but I think it's starting to step over the line of um, personal privacy. I mean, I think technology is great. Don't don't get me wrong about that. I think technology is amazing, but I think right now we're pushing a boundary and this boundary that we're pushing uh, could be a slight problem because the question I have is now you're in a store, you're using it for one thing. And now suddenly you learn that when this person comes to the store, you know, they're always buy sunglasses. So is that really fair that you learn that from them online and then you pull that data? I don't know. I don't know. So it's, 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 it's a little bit worse than cookies because what will happen is the website's going to learn basically who you are. And then it builds a database on their end from your face. So it's worse than a cookie. It takes your image and then it associates that, builds a database, and then you get to the store, recognizes who you are. Oh, that must be John, such as such. Great, I know he wants to buy uh, Ray-Ban glasses, so I'm going to show him Ray-Ban glasses when he comes in and try to catch his attention. I think that's wrong. I really think it's wrong. So I think, um, and I'll talk more about this as we all like they had the story in London a while back. We talked about how they had the, you know, this in-your-face, the Pepsi Max experience. 
And even I think that's wrong because I think there's a point where there's advertising, but I think they're stepping over the line. And I think advertisers and marketers, I think they don't care if they're getting your personal space. And I know one thing, being in advertising, being in marketing, I'm always respectful, not only of producing high quality, uh, truthful content, but content that's not going to exploit or step into your personal space. I think that's really something that a lot of companies don't care about. They just care about the dollars. Now, some people have disabilities. Uh, one of my guests the other night on the Inspiration for Your Life show actually has uh, a blonde, as an able to see fully. Imagine wanting to watch the football game, right? But you can't see at all, or you can see a little bit, so you can't really see the screen very well. One court, experiencing football without sight. So let's talk a little bit about this. It's, it's, it's one court system, uh, and you can experience football. I mean, I, I think this is this is kind of cool. Um, they're hoping to bring live play to people with blindness or low vision. So you basically have your game and um, the game uh, communicates through wireless, through your laptop, whatnot. And so what happens is they can literally feel where the players are, what they're doing. Um, you know, they showed this on, um, I think it was New Year's Eve at a Chiefs game uh, for the first time in a venue and they tested the device out. And people liked it. Uh, so they say they've got some promising results. Uh, the question you might be asking is, how much will one court cost? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, because they're not really telling us. I think it's still in that, it's still in that stage. Uh it's it's uh it, it, right now um i think they're still working on some deals uh they just received uh back in january i think it was around the 10th they got 140,000 uh funding through a business plan um competitions and awards with uh, large portions coming from artificial intelligence for accessibility and grants from microsoft but um, so they have a site out already. It's called onecourt.io. I have to imagine that you're going to buy this device and then you're going to pay for, you know, the software as a service. So their whole goal is make live sports more accessible to fans with blindness or low vision. And although it sounds pretty interesting, um, the question that I have for us is that, um, you know, how expensive is it going to be? Will it really catch on? I think it has some 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 um, possibilities. It's been seen on TechCrunch, Forbes, uh, Sports Business Journal, and Fast Company. So um, I think it's got potential. I think it might not just be uh, uh, football. It'll be other sports as well. If I had to guess. I would probably say that this is going to cost somewhere. I'm guessing it's probably going to cost somewhere around two to four hundred dollars is is my guess. And then um, they're probably going to charge you so much per game. Okay, uh, it's a haptic mini field that lets blind fans follow the game by touch. So they have their hands, and it literally it it gives haptic feels in the board. 
and you can tell where the ball's moving and what's happening. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, watch the game with your fingertips. That's that's their uh, that's their slogan. Watch the game with your fingertips. But again, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And so when we think about this and we think about how it works and, it, you know, it basically connects to a laptop and all that kind of stuff. Um, the question is, how easy is it going to be for people to use? And is this something that people are going to embrace? We don't know. I mean, right now they're still in their in their startup phase, so we'll have to see what happens. But I definitely give them a kudos because I think the idea is something great because a lot of people don't develop technology for people that have a challenge. They don't. It's not because they don't want to. It's strictly because they just didn't think of it. And I think this is really amazing. Um, so pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. It is called OneCourt, onecourt.io. You can check it out. They're on LinkedIn there. They're all over the place. They're in uh, Seattle, Washington. Uh, and they claim that they're going to be making live sports broadcasts more accessible to fans with blindness and low vision. So um, that's, uh, that's a pretty interesting. And they have an interesting logo. Their logo kind of looks like it's missing. It says NE Court. And they got the one, but they really got an O above the NE. So an interesting logo. Um, interesting. So we'll see. And I think there might be more companies that are going to jump on this bandwagon, not just them. I think a lot of people will start building things for people that have disabilities. I think this is a huge, huge market. All right, guys. Uh, very excited about that. And uh, so, ladies, uh, I know I have to be properly correct here. If it's ladies and maybe some gentlemen, depending, you know, because we have to be politically correct. Uh, imagine not having to ever make a nail appointment again. Pretty cool, right? Um well, I, I don't have my nails done. I just cut my nails with a trimmer, but it's called the company's called Nimble Beauty. And so it actually uh, got the Innovations Award, Honoree uh, Award. Uh, so it didn't get the full award, but it got the Honoree. And they're saying you can achieve gorgeous nails from home at, from a device without lifting a finger. Well, you have to literally lift your fingers to put in the device. So really, that's kind of it. So Nimble uses patented technology to scan, paint, and dry your nails with what they call one game-changing device. So let's talk a little bit about how it works. So the first thing you do is you'll insert the base coat of the nail color and the top coat, uh, uh, basically like little um, uh, bottles or capsules that go into the machine. Then what you will do after you've, after you've, uh, you know, you've, you've put that in there, then you will place your hand in Nimble and press start. Once you press start, uh, it will go ahead and scan your fingernails because each hand can be different. And once it scans them, it'll go ahead and uh, go from there, which I think is going to be uh, pretty amazing. I know that this is amazing because when we think about the fact of what it's going to do, so it's going to scan the nail. And then what it's going to do is going to grab just enough paint using AI, and it's going to start painting the nail from the inside to the outside. I think that's going to be amazingly cool. And then when it's done with that, it's going to basically dry your nails with the built-in dryer. And then when you're done, take them out. They're going to be dry. It will go ahead and, yes, you'll do the next hand. Now, so basically what happens is uh, there is a device inside, the, the robotic um, arm, if you will, 
that basically will uh, grab just enough. Uh, it's a 270-degree scanning. And um, using the advanced AI and the refined robotics and the globally patented technology, they have 30-plus high-shine hues. I think this is pretty amazing, and it's under 700 bucks. So um, the question is, um, is this something you would spend money on? So you can even get the device now. It's actually on sale. Uh, it's normally $700, but you can get the device now. You can pre-order it with a $99 payment, and it's only $599. So they have a discount on the device. You do it yourself um, without having to do it yourself. So it uses 2D and 3D scanning technology and the advanced AI, and the device learns the exact size, shape, and curvature of your nails. So... Uh, you can be ready for your dinner in less than less than 30 minutes. You can just quick. You have to go somewhere. And now you have your uh, nails done. You look great. They don't have to spend hours drying. And pretty cool. Uh, they have a smart app um, that will let you uh, be easily guided from how to use the device, which I think is, is pretty cool. So you have the top coat. And you have the uh, bottom coat and you have the top coat. There's a 30-day no-question-asked money-back guarantee. Um, they have concierge service. And um, anybody at any age uh, could use this device. So I think this is very, very interesting, this technology. Um, you know, world-class engineering. Um, everybody's looking at this machine because it not only does basic nails, it will do the nails with different kinds of prints. So if you wanted, let's say, a nail with lines on it, you could get that. And I, it might even allow you to put, like, uh, logos and stuff. I don't know. But I imagine it might even do that, too, because it can do almost anything. So this is really cool. And the ladies that used it, they said that they didn't really feel it was a very light touch. It does hold your hand down a little bit, but it's very light touch. And um, it's very thorough. And uh, then they have the airflow that actually dries your nails. So basically, it has a little tiny um, uh, plunger to hold your nails just in place so that, um, you know, you're able to uh, – so that it keeps them so that nothing happens to your nails. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And so um, from the very beginning, they were uh, working on this technology, which has been for quite a while. Um the behind the scenes is that Nimble shows what is happening in the device by the fact of just a lot of brainstorming, testing, and and lots of technology. And they had lots of iterations of this machine before it actually, you know, uh, was ready to be uh, released to the market. Um, it, it, it's amazing to understand this and to also understand, I think, the technology uh, that went in. They started this in 2016. And I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, just looking at the fact of how this works, the airflow, the whole the whole system, I think it's really uh, pretty amazing. So if you go to, there is a place on their website, it's, it's, it's nimblebeauty.com. You can go to polish and they have all the different ones. So you have many different uh, polishes. So you have like a Twilight, a Morello, a Crush, a Carmen, a Labyrinth, a Sugar, a Carousel, Amaretto, a Georgia, uh, uh, Palmoa, uh, uh, a Wednesday, a Picky, a Glazed, a Tull, a 
Cardian, Adigas, Teo, Levin. There's so many different ones here. And so once you click on one of those, okay, um, so right now it's $10 uh, per capsule set. So um, they deliver the color to you in each nimble capsule set, which includes a base color and it includes a top coat containing enough polish for up to two flawless manicures. So basically you're going to get your manicure done for um, $5. So if we asked ladies, because I don't go and have my nails done, how much is an average manicure? Uh, and if I had to guess, you know, they're all over the place. They're usually around $20, $25. So you can get your nails done for basically 5 bucks. I don't know about you, but that's pretty, pretty cool. All right. In more technology from CES, there is the X1 interpreter. What the heck is the X1? Yeah, it's called the X1 um, interpreter. And uh, this was at the CES 2024. I told you next year, I definitely want to go to the go to the um, show in person. So uh, it's called the Time Kettle X1 interpreter hub. And it wins the honoree, not the full word, but the honoree. And it is groundbreaking technology. So how does this work? So it's an industry leading uh, system that provides um, a translation solution. And um, it's very uh, easy to use, they say. Um, it's an interpreter hub and single touch for connecting. So users can build a translation subnet with one touch of the X1A1 interpreter hub and a single touch automatically completes the networking process. So literally you have one and you have another one and you're pretty much up and running. So basically you can set yours and the other person's and you're able to convert. And then you have a, basically a, a wireless um, earphone or earpod and you're able to get that communication. I think this is pretty amazing. It supports 40 online and 13 pairs of offline languages. It supports multi-way interpretation for 20 people in five languages. Wow. It's supposed to be very efficient for cross-cultural interactions, and it's built for noise reduction technology, and multiple people can speak simultaneously without suffering from crosstalk. It even covers diverse scenes with five modes to fulfill any translation need, empowered by full potential by HybridCom. So I think this might be something we're going to see in courts uh, and a lot of places where we normally would need an interpreter. So now the next question you're probably going to ask me is how much, yes, how much is the time cut uh, at hub? If you had to guess, how much do you think the uh, time kettle X1 interpreter hub is going to be? So um, if I had to guess, I'm thinking we're probably talking like $500, but you know, I, I don't know. Uh, when I go to their website to look and see, um, if I go here to pre-order, I'm just going to see what it says if it gives me a price. Well, uh, what did I tell you? I said $500, didn't I? Um, it's, um, it's under 700, 699. So they have the interpreter hub, and then they have um, then they have what they call the mini translator. 
so the mini translator is another little piece. Uh, and so um, basically it's designed. Uh, it can't work with the iPhone um, 15 Pro, iPhone 15 Pro Max, and the iPhone 15 and the iPhone 15 Plus. But it can work with the other phone. So that is a big problem. Why, ladies and gentlemen? Because they designed this, and this is the shame on you part. They designed this to work with the lightning connector. Shame on them. Why didn't they design it? They knew that the USB-C was coming out. So um, you can get it for your iPhone with the app for just 50 bucks. Uh, now, if I go to the iOS, let me see if they support on the iOS model. It says it doesn't support it. Uh, please note, nope, zero can't work with it either. So even if I buy the um, iOS device, I can only work on it basically on the 14. So, but if you do need to do your own uh, interpreting without the phone, you can just buy the complete hub, which like I said to you is um, just under $700. And that comes with the uh, earbuds as well. So if you didn't have your iPhone, you were able to do that. You can just get the interpreter. Great for companies to have. And you can set the language so it automatically knows what to communicate. So I think that's really, really cool. We've had an amazing show. And uh, I do want to let you guys know that next week, uh, in case you guys are wondering, next week is going to be, let's see if I have this right, should be show number four? Yeah. So next week, um, we have a great guest uh, coming on. Um, it's going to be, uh, our show will be at 3 o'clock on the 26th. And his name is, um, well, I'll tell you the name of the company. Uh, it is uh, Battersby. So, um, and so uh, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is really, really cool. Uh, a Battersby, it's a, it's, it's a pitching uh, dream for people. Uh, they call it Pro Batter is actually the name of their company. So a few of them will be joining me. They're actually out of Connecticut, and we're going to learn a little bit about their technology. Even though it's not AI yet, they have a really cool system that operates by showing you uh, a picture. They have a um, basically a canister behind it, and it just keeps funneling balls. So you pick what kind of pitch you want, shows that a picture that makes that pitch, and then when it's about to pitch, the ball comes out of the screen. Pretty cool. So definitely tune in for that next week. Ladies and gentlemen, you know who I am by now? Sure you do. I'm John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. You know it's been an amazing privilege. Of course, you know it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you this fantastic evening. And I want you guys to definitely go and um, go to uh, the QR code or believemeachieve.com and check out all my amazing inspiration. But please, ladies and gentlemen, go to my TikTok page and follow me. We want to reach a few thousand followers so we can stream the show live to uh, TikTok as well as all these other great platforms. Have yourself a fantastic evening, and I'm going to catch you guys next week with one of my great guests uh, learning about the um, learning about the batter system, which I think you guys are going to find very interesting. Again, it's called Pro Batter, so definitely check that out. In the meantime. I do hope you have an amazing weekend. Uh, I'm not going to bring you any more things from CES, I promise. I think I've, I've CES everybody to death. But CES was an amazing show this year. And next year, I hope to be there in person and give you a lot of footage that will be covered live from the show. So going to do a lot of cool stuff. I hope you guys have a fantastic evening. I hope these insights are pretty cool. And 
Uh, let me know what you think about some of these things, whether it's the oven, whether it's the translator, um, the nimble. Let me know. And uh, I'll catch you guys on the next show or one of my other shows real soon. Be well, everyone, and take care.